0: Hello, my name is David Gozal. I'm a professor of child health at the University of Missouri at Columbia. And uh, I am also a edit- an editor for the European Respiratory Journal. In that capacity, I have the pleasure today of uh, having a chat with Professor Walter McNicholas uh, regarding a very recent paper in the European Respiratory Journal Uh, that appeared uh, uh, in the volume 52, uh, 2018, entitled uh, Challenges and Perspectives in Obstructive Sleep Apnea. And the first author was Dr. Randerath, uh, with Dr. McNicholas as the senior and corresponding author. Uh, I was uh, quite taken by this uh, paper, which I would encourage all of you to read uh, in its entirety, Uh, but uh, decided uh, that uh, by having a chat with Professor McNicholas, we could uh, address some of the important issues that are brought about uh, by this article. Before any further ado, uh, I would like to introduce Professor McNicholas. Uh, Walter, thank you for being today with us. I look forward uh, to our conversation and discussion on the paper. And if you could, uh, could you please introduce yourself briefly, And then uh, we will tell us a little bit about uh, what prompted uh, this uh, article, and then we'll get deep into some of the fundamental questions that really you address so nicely uh, in the paper.
1: Thank you, David, and I'm delighted to participate in this uh, podcast. By way of introduction, I'm a professor in respiratory medicine at University College Dublin in Ireland. And what prompted this uh, paper was uh, a group uh, which was an ad hoc working group representing members of the sleep disordered breathing uh, section in the European Respiratory Society and also the European Sleep Research Society. Uh, We got together and... Uh, following discussions, recognized that there were major challenges and limitations in our current understanding regarding not only the diagnostic criteria, but uh, approaches to management of the obstructive sleep apnea syndrome.
0: Thank you, Walter. Um, So maybe uh, I could uh, go ahead and uh, ask you uh, what I think is a very important and uh, certainly the first question, which is do you think uh, that the current diagnostic criteria that we use for the definition of obstructive sleep apnea as a disease um, and that we usually use um, symptoms, uh, presenting symptoms or a spouse bringing the symptomatic patient uh, uh, screaming and kicking to the, uh, to the clinic, Along with a laboratory or home-based uh, apnea hypopnea index, do you think that that combination as a diagnostic criterion uh, are, is outdated or, um, or would you care to speculate that uh, this is still acceptable and this is the way we should continue practice?
1: Well, David, I believe these uh, longstanding criteria are long due an overhaul and are substantially outdated. I mean, there are a number of major considerations which underpin this uh, uh, view. Uh, The most obvious is that recent epidemiological data indicate that the majority of the general population have sleep disordered breathing as traditionally defined based on an AHI of five or more. And indeed, um, moderate sleep disordered breathing based on an AHI greater than 15 can be found in anything up to 50% of the adult population and in some reports uh, in up to 75% of the elderly population. But these sort of prevalence figures cast doubt on the validity of these types of thresholds and prompt a rethink. The other aspect which I believe is very important in um, triggering a, a re-evaluation is the well-recognized fact that AHI as a metric correlates very poorly with daytime symptoms and especially poorly with daytime sleepiness. So when we combine the traditional metric of AHI with the major daytime uh, symptom of excessive sleepiness, we're really combining two uh, metrics that uh, correlate very poorly with each other. A further uh, consideration in this regard is that we increasingly recognize that there are different clinical phenotypes of the disorder For example, there's uh, a phenotype associated with lack of sleepiness. There's a phenotype uh, uh, that is associated with insomnia. And and these uh, different phenotypes aren't well reflected in the uh, traditional uh, AASM uh, criteria for defining and grading uh, OSA severity.
0: Well, thank you, uh, Walter. And I concur certainly with the position that you're taking that in the context of cluster analysis, a very large data sets, it has become apparent that there are clearly uh, different phenotypes that uh, are not necessarily captured by the current diagnostic criteria. At the same time, it is clear that using a single metric, uh, such as the AHI, is missing a very substantial wealth of information contained either in any of the recording uh, um, uh, studies that are done to define the diagnosis. And so, uh, should we therefore start thinking well beyond the HI into uh, other metrics or measures that are currently captured or potentially future Uh, measures that could be captured within a study of so many hours at at home or or in the laboratory uh, in order to enhance our uh, ability to uh, assess, one, uh, the severity of uh, sleep disorder breathing, uh, but at the same time to look at potential markers of uh, morbidity that are embedded already in the fabric of the measures that are recorded uh, within the sleep study.
1: Yes, I do believe uh, that uh, we should be going well beyond the AHI uh, in, in evaluating OSA and, and sleep disordered breathing. I mean, for example, there are many other signals that are currently available and indeed uh, are recorded in many of the um, monitoring systems that are available, and these include oxygen metrics, snoring, uh, cardiovascular metrics such as heart rate and, indeed, uh, measures of flow limitation. And uh, these measures uh, may be easier to evaluate than AHI and, indeed, may be more suitable to ambulatory uh, monitoring. Um, Indeed, the AHI may be inferior to some of these other measures in predicting disease uh, severity and, uh, for example, predisposition to comorbidity. Furthermore, there are pathophysiological phenotypes that aren't reflected in the AHI, Uh, for example, genioglossus responsiveness, uh, the arousal threshold, uh, loop gain, and other respiratory control disturbances. And, And these are important aspects which are increasingly recognized as important to the pathophysiology of OSA in general. And there's a growing interest in novel methods to evaluate these phenotypes, which are currently being validated. Thus, uh, when we start to explore these existing measures in a more expansive fashion and some other newer methods that may be available, which give added insight into the pathophysiology of the disorder, this may have the added advantage of g- gaining insight into individual phenotypes and uh, individual management possibilities
0: well uh, definitely uh, the ahi uh, will become a single as a single measure i think uh, you completely uh, echo your sentiment that is uh, that the ahi should be viewed as a single measure as a single metric as an obsolete approach to evaluating a very complex disorder it would be as if we took a single laboratory uh, a test and uh, built a disease around it, and so I think it 's time to look at the disease and from many of its multidimensionalities and use DHI as a corroborative uh, element in, in the process rather than uh, the, the fundamental cardinal centric uh, type of measure that uh, at this point is failing us um, in the context you mentioned and you know men- measured both endotypes but also the possibility of using oxygenation uh, uh, and saturation metrics as another way to uh, get better insight into, uh, for example, uh, a very important aspect that is normally not very well assessed in our clinics. We evaluate the sleep, we evaluate uh, the clinic, but then we do not uh, do diligence or at least a thorough due diligence in evaluating all the end organ morbidities that are associated uh, with uh, sleep apnea. And so in that context, uh, at least from the animal data, uh, we know that uh, oxygen uh, intermittent hypoxia and uh, is a critical contributor to many of these morbidities. So maybe taking a deeper look at uh, uh, the information contained within the oximetry signal uh, might be something that could provide us with better insight not only into the severity of the disease but also on its consequences. What, what do you think about that?
1: Yes, I, I would support that view very strongly. There is increasing evidence, you mentioned animal studies of intermittent hypoxia, but there's increasing evidence from clinical uh, cohort studies that the ODI, which is a clinical measure of intermittent hypoxemia, is more... Ac- closely associated with some comorbidities than the is the AHI. And there is evidence from large population studies for a superior association of ODI uh, as a predictor of prevalent hypertension, prevalent diabetes, and indeed stroke incidence. Um, the stroke incidence data uh, is most closely associated with a measure of of cumulative hypoxia, which is the uh, cumulative time spent below 90%. And in that context, the uh, oxygen saturation uh, provides a signal which has great and broad potential. Uh, Not only can one look at the frequency of desaturations, but one can look at the cumulative burden in the context of CT90 and CT80, etc., etc. So uh, it, it is a very rich signal it's not well explored in particularly in general population studies and I think uh, uh, with this growing evidence I think there is scope for uh, greater reliance on the oxygen signal and in certain respects uh, it is likely superior to the uh, AHI One of the great advantages of course of the uh, oxygen saturation signal as compared to the AHI is that it is easier to measure and thus very suited to ambulatory monitoring and indeed over over several nights, which uh, uh, is, is, a, is a further an additional advantage.
0: Well, and uh, in addition, uh, really just to add even further ammunition to this uh, argument, uh, I would uh, indicate that the oximetry signal also includes a plethysmographic uh, signal of the pulse. And that through that, uh, there are a variety of approaches that could be implemented to look at autonomic nervous system responses on a bit-to-bit basis, as well as many other uh, derivatives uh, that can provide even further uh, uh, insights into um, mechanisms that may be driving morbidity as well. So I I completely uh, agree with you. But if we're thinking more into the future and with the issues of wearable technology, new bion sensors, nanotechnology, and so on, um, uh, proteomics, uh, the genomics, uh, a variety of, of omic technologies, um, how, how would you foresee a future where we um, abandon, uh, quote-unquote, the traditional sleep study, the way we look at it today? and start looking at much more um, innovative and disruptive technologies that may fund- fundamentally replace or at least substitute some of the current approaches that we use for the diagnosis or of any patient with suspected sleep apnea. Would you care to put an oracle uh, glasses and tell us what you see in the future?
1: Yes I'd be happy to do so I mean my own perspective on this is that there is uh, rich potential yet for expanded and more in-depth analysis of existing signals. And you've already identified one aspect of the oxygen signal, namely the pulse, uh, uh, which uh, adds additional uh, information. I mean, there are a range of cardiovascular variables from heart rate to pulse transit time, uh, blood pressure variables, particularly uh, nocturnal uh, blood pressure dip in-depth analysis of snoring and uh, other similar types of variables. So uh, there is great potential there which shouldn't be lost sight of. But looking more uh, in in the future towards uh, quite novel technology that may uh, uh, encourage a complete rethink of how we approach this uh, question. I mean, one of the areas that I find particularly exciting is the developments around smartphone technology. I mean, people will be well aware that there are a number of apps already available which are quite simplistic in their approach in, this, in that they simply record uh, gross body movement and they in- infer sleep quality from the signal but a uh, Some of the work that's currently underway uh, has uh, very exciting potential in the sense that there is um, technological development around the combination of uh, video from the smartphone uh, snoring recording uh, combined with body movement and um, in-depth analysis of these signals uh, uh, obtained from the smartphone may provide uh, uh, particularly interesting and useful information. And, and particularly in the context of screening patients uh, either to exclude uh, a disorder or more particularly to identify patients that may uh, require further uh, testing in a more conventional fashion. And I think that is an aspect which we should really uh, uh, pay attention to and, it, and, and it's not a case that a patient comes and they have a definitive study. It may be that we need to do a stepwise approach to filter out patients that, uh, that can be dealt with in, a, in an algorithmic uh, type of fashion. There are a number of, of novel signals. There's radio frequency which has been under evaluation for a number of years and the advantage of this is that it can evaluate body movement and also breathing movements without any contact to the patient. Um, there are other uh, in- indirect approaches and there uh, has been interest over a number of years around the whole area of biomarker uh, evaluation and, and, and there's a wealth of literature uh, around the topic of Uh, biomarkers that may be potentially useful, particularly in the context of predicting uh, end-organ susceptibility and and likelihood of comorbidity, uh, biomarkers around inflammation, oxidative stress, sympathetic excitation, uh, fat metabolism, and microRNA analysis. Uh, all of these have been evaluated in different studies, and indeed your own group, uh, David, has, has uh, contributed considerably to this, uh, to this work in the past and I'm sure are continuing to do so. Other respiratory data such as uh, uh, evaluating arousal threshold, uh, loop gain analysis and indeed upper airway anatomy by uh, novel techniques such as uh, acoustic reflection uh, has uh, the potential for adding further useful data. So the the overall context of the future development as I see it is that not only will uh, uh, future technology have the potential to evaluate the presence of sleep disordered breathing, but hopefully will also have the potential to evaluate individual susceptibility for uh, health consequences of the sleep disordered breathing. That that would be the ambition, and and I do believe it, it, it is potentially achievable.
0: One of the uh, big questions in in the room is always going to be, okay, we have diagnosed all these patients and then we have a therapy that is very effective when it's used, uh, but um, only a very small proportion of all those that need it actually use it uh, the way they should. And so looking at the indications for CPAP uh, therapy, and considering the fact that, one, uh, the adherence is what it is, and certainly far from ideal, and, two, the recent studies that have shed a what I would call a call to arms and concerns about uh, whether this is a worthwhile um, therapy in certain circumstances, um, uh, how do we move forward uh, with, one, uh, continuing to disseminate the concept that uh, patients, one, need to be treated with CPAP since we are at lack of a better therapy at the moment that is uh, non invasive, or, uh, and two, uh, how do we address the, uh, in, to a certain extent, valid. Uh, Concerns that are uh, coming through the woodwork uh, related to both the studies that have been done, but potentially to others, uh, which seem to indicate that CPAP may not necessarily be the panacea for every patient with uh, sleep disorder breathing.
1: Well, if, if I could address the second aspect first, I mean, the, uh, the recent studies such as the SAVE trial and the RAKADSA trial have provided uh, sobering data and, uh, as you intimate, a, a wake-up call to our group in the whole field. Uh, perhaps we were a little overly uh, optimistic in regarding CPAP as a panacea for everything. And uh, uh, some of the observational studies have perhaps given overly optimistic uh, data regarding long-term outcomes. And of course, observational long-term studies do have that potential that they tend to overemphasize the positive result. But nonetheless, uh, the, the negative studies have had limitations, which I need, which do need to be uh, kept in mind. And for example, the SAVE trial uh, was uh, limited by poor patient compliance. The average compliance was just over three hours per night, and the patient population was confined to non-sleepy patients. So it, it's a very selected patient group uh, with relatively poor compliance to therapy. And in that context, uh, the Rikatsa trial published in the Blue Journal. Uh, two years ago, um, gave interesting additional insight in that they demonstrated that where patients were compliant with therapy, that compliance was associated with improvement in cardiovascular outcomes. So overall, I think what these studies show is that um yes uh, across the board uh, the data are sobering and may, may need uh, some rethink of the role of cpap in um you know, improving cardiovascular outcomes, particularly in the context of secondary prevention. But I think uh, we're at risk of reading too much into those data. And I would take the view that what these negative studies have uh, achieved is that they have brought our situation regarding CPAP and uh, long-term outcomes into a state of clinical equipoise. And they justify uh, further studies, perhaps in more symptomatic patients and focused uh, more on evaluating patients uh, in the context of better compliance. It's not surprising that uh, subjects who are just picked out because of moderate uh, to severe AHI levels, who are asymptomatic from the point of view of uh, OSA, would not be that compliant with therapy. So uh, I I think, in a sense, those studies have uh, compromised our ability to fully evaluate this question. As regards the current indications, the approach uh, our group would uh, recommend uh, arising out of our our, uh, discussions is that in patients with moderate or severe OSA with related symptoms, uh, particularly sleepiness, but this is a group where CPAP therapy is clearly indicated. And uh, the experience of many sleep centers is that uh, simply prescribing CPAP to a patient and sending him off is not the appropriate way to manage. Uh, patients do need considerable education and considerable support, especially in the early stages of therapy, to ensure adequate compliance, and and there's no doubt that, uh, in our view, that uh, appropriate patient support will uh, produce good compliance in the majority of cases. A very interesting group is uh, patients with relatively mild uh, OSA who have prominent symptoms, and uh, there's an increasing focus on considering a a two-month trial period on CPAP therapy to evaluate the potential relationship of uh, the daytime symptomatology with the sleep disordered breathing, which can be achieved by a two-month trial. So I think this is, a, this is an approach to CPAP therapy, which is relatively recent uh, in evolution, but uh, I think is, is well warranted. Where the real difficulty arises in the context of um, indications for CPAP, we look at the group with severe OSA who are asymptomatic but with comorbidities, and I think this is this is a is a vexed area at the moment, and uh, is an area where you will conf- you will find uh, considerable disagreement among uh, experts. But equally, I believe that there are uh, groups within that category where CPAP should really be uh, considered. And to just give two examples, one would be hypertension and especially where there's loss of nocturnal dipping. I think severe OSA associated with loss of nocturnal dipping does warrant a trial of CPAP therapy to assess the potential benefit in that context. And another group um, where a trial of CPAP therapy is warranted in severe non-sleepy patients is where there are, is either clinical depression or de- de- depressive-type symptoms. And there is good evidence from uh, many, many uh, publications, both in clinical de- depression and other similar scenario of significant benefit from CPAP. So I think in, in the context of uh, severe OSA without symptoms, one needs to Take uh, an individual approach where the individual patient is is personalized from the perspective of treatment. And I suppose in the general context of uh, management, it's that personalized approach to treatment uh, that really is the key. The, the old style approach where you take the patient in, document an elevated AHI, document uh, an effort sleepiness score, and then prescribe CPAP. I think that is too simplistic. And I think in the current state-of-the-art is very much outdated.
0: Well, thank you, Walter, for a wonderfully clear and I think uh, illustrative response to many of the challenges that uh, will face us in the upcoming years uh, as we try to sort out how better to delineate uh, in a much more precise way. Uh, who are the patients that really, for whom CPAP uh, therapy is clearly indicated, those who deserve at least a trial uh, to see whether we can achieve some degree of benefit and those and possibly to try and also demarcate the groups for whom uh, institution of CPAP therapy may not yield the anticipated uh, benefits and therefore maybe, uh, maybe alternative therapies need to be considered uh, with that, uh, I think our time uh, has come to an end uh, for this wonderfully informative uh, chat. I want to thank you, Professor McNicholas, for um, uh, your willingness to discuss with us today uh, on uh, your uh, provocative article um, in the European Respiratory Journal. Again, for those of you who missed the beginning of this uh, podcast. Uh, We are talking about the challenges and perspectives in obstructive sleep apnea that was published in the European Respiratory Journals by Randerath et al. Uh, Again, uh, Professor McNicholas, thank you very much for this uh, uh, very informative and uh, uh, really forward-looking conversation, and thank you all for listening.
1: Thank you, David, and it was a pleasure to participate.